as I said, I would like to continue with that series of Game of Thrones, uh, who is winning, uh, who is winning. And uh, I shared about the difference between spirit, soul, and body, uh, its functions, and then we touched on certain things. Uh, today, I would like to speak on the subject of depression. Now, the dictionary defines depression as low spirit, gloomy feelings, dejection, sadness, conditions marked by feelings of worthlessness, failures, and accompanied with guilt. Depression is not just a state of mind and negative view of life, but sometimes some things that affects our physical being as well. A person goes through negative evaluation of friends and families and self. Physical problems like lethargy, difficulty to get your thoughts together, virtually no interest in your surroundings. So it is not just about having a bad day. We all have bad days. But depression is far more than that. Depression takes over your body and begins to express some of the things which I mentioned. It is a mental state of low mood and aversion to activity. It affects, as it is said, more than 280 million people of all ages. And in fact, there is a statistics about UK that one in six adults in the UK suffer with depression. And 70% of adults in the UK experience some form of depression two years back. And it is said, even in the workplace, many of the employees, they experience some kind of symptoms of depression. And many people, they suffer silently. They suffer silently. They don't express. And there is sometimes that even as believers, though we believe in God, we can face those challenges in life where we can be in that place where we can be anxious about something. Now, the presence of anxiety cannot be avoided but to be a prisoner of anxiety is not what you're designed for. In fact, Psalm 88 verse 18, the psalmist is going through some kind of trouble in his life and he's facing maybe some challenges in his life. And he says, darkness is my closest friend. He says, darkness is my closest friend. Where you can come to that place, though you might have people around you, but still you can feel that you are isolated from the world. You must have heard of this great preacher called Charles Spurgeon. He was one of, he's known as one of the best preachers in the world. He's known as Prince of Preachers. He was born in Essex, then he moved to Colchester, and then he served as a Baptist minister in London. And people would throng to hear his messages. But did you know 
that Charles Spurgeon suffered with severe depression. It comes as a surprise to some that Charles Spurgeon had a lifelong battle with depression. Spurgeon's life was indeed full of physical and mental pain. Age 22, as a pastor of a large church and with twin babies at home to look after, he was preaching to thousands in Surrey Gardens Musical Hall when a prankster, he yelled, fire, fire. Starting a panic to exit the building which killed seven and left 28 severely injured. For Charles Spurgeon, that incident, that event, was never the same again in his life. He was never the same again in his life. His wife, Susanna, wrote, and she said, my beloved's anguish was so deep and violent that reason seemed to totter in a throne. And we sometimes feared that he would never preach again. Then from the age of 33, physical pain became a large and constant feature of life for him. He suffered from a burning kidney inflammation called Bright's disease, and there was some other disease that he was suffering with. The pain was such that it soon kept him from preaching for one-third of the time. Added to that, overwork, stress, and guilt about the stress began to take their toll in his life. And all this was in the public eye, and, was, and many people jumped into criticizing him, which did not make it easier for him to bear. They said the suffering that Charles Spurgeon is suffering, it is because of the judgment of God on him. The pain, the politics, the opposition, and the overwork, as well as the bereavement that he faced with the loss of his young grandson, all affected him deeply. So much so that today he would almost certainly be diagnosed as clinically depressed and would be treated with medication and therapy. The depression could hit him so intensely that once he said, Quoting from Job chapter 17, 15 to 16, where Job himself said about his own situation, where Job said, I would rather be strangled, rather die than suffer like this. I hate my life and don't want to go on living. This is what Job said. You know the story of Job, what he suffered. He lost his immediate surroundings. He lost his children, his wealth. Not only that, but he was suffering physically and mentally. Imagine the situation when Job's wife, instead of supporting him and helping him, tells him to abandon God and die. What a terrible place to be in. He was under attack in body, soul, and spirit. 
where he almost lost the assurance of his relationship with God. When there is a lack of assurance, you will slip into the valley of despair, where you'll feel a complete loss and absence of hope. And this is what Job's life was, but he still, in that situation, he still held on to God. And God turned the table, God blessed him. You know, coming back to Charles Spurgeon's life, then Charles Spurgeon went to say about himself, I could really enough have laid violent hands upon myself to escape from my misery of spirit. He was so low, he was so down that he want, almost wanted to give up and give in. In all this, Spurgeon believed that God had a good purpose in all his suffering. And because of it, felt he had become a better prepared and more compassionate pastor. And God used him powerfully for his glory. Think about Martin Luther, the great reformer. I suppose you heard about him. It is said that he would have such fits of darkness that he would hide himself for days away and his family would remove every dangerous elements in the house in the fear that he would hurt himself. He wrote during this period, for more than a week, week I was close to death and hell one can be. I trembled in all my members. Christ was wholly lost to me. I was shaken by desperation. This was the life of Martin Luther. Again, there's another reformer called John Knox. Probably you heard of him, a great man of God. He says, he said in his depression, receive my spirit and put an end to my miserable life. And how many of you heard of Adoniram Judson, a missionary you know, to Burma, and he translated the Bible into Burmese and established a number of Baptist churches in Burma. Following his wife's death, he wrote, God to me is great unknown. I believe in him, but I cannot find him. Jeremiah the prophet said, Cursed be the day when I was born. Elijah suffered depression who said at a point where he said, it is enough now, Lord, take my life, for I am no better than my father's. He was in a place where there was a famine and, you know, there was no food, no water, but God divinely provided his needs. But at one point, even that had seems to be gone. But he carries on and then God provides his need and then he faces this challenge with all the prophets of Baal and, you know, he sees the victory over there and God does amazing things, you know, brings fire from heaven and the next thing he does, he's running away from Jezebel. 
And he's in a place where he's saying, Lord, I had enough. It was as if from frying pan to fire he jumped. And he said, I had enough. You know, again, Dr. Martin Luther King, or even talking about Elijah, you know, just imagine Moses and Elijah were on the mountain of transfiguration, having that divine encounter with Jesus. Well, these were the same people at one point they wanted to give up. How many of us, we face this situation in life? How many of us, we suffer silently, thinking that's enough, I had enough. I want to give up or give in. You know, there are a few other men of God who suffered with this situation. St. Augustine is one of them. You know, how many of you heard of John Bunyan who wrote The Pilgrim's Progress, a man of God? He says... You know, it is said about him that he struggled with depression and in his one of his autobiography called Grace Abounding, he expresses his agony over never feeling quite secure in his faith, though he was a staunch believer. Interesting, isn't it? You hear about these people, great men of faith, great men and women of God, and then same time, you hear about their struggles with life. But one thing common about all these people was they held on to the promise of God. They carried on with God. They held on to the promises of God. And as Paul, they could say, I ran the race and finished the course. You know, it looks, it looks all gloomy and, you know, it looks all a bit downhearted, discouraging when you hear all this story. But this is the fact of life that sometimes we face in life. What do we do when you face this? What do you do when you feel downhearted? What do you do when you are facing failures in life with that guilt constantly eating you up that you are a failure? What do you do when you feel lonely? What do you do when you come to that place? When you think, like Elijah, I had enough, Lord. Take my life. I don't want to live anymore. The few things that we can do. Yes, first of all, like Job, you know, to rely on God to hold on to him, hold on to his promises because his promises are key for freedom from depression.
You know, John Bunyan, he, in Pilgrim's Progress, he goes on with a story and he's talking about a person called Christian. And he meets different people on his way. And then he meets this person called Hopeful and they are caught or they are stuck in a castle. And there's no way to go out, no way to come out of it. Then Christian, he puts his hand in the pocket and he finds a key and that key is called the key of promise. And he's contemplating in his mind, I wonder whether this key of promise will open this door and set us free out of this castle. And he puts this key in the keyhole and turns it and to, his, to their surprise, that door opens and there's another door. And again, he puts the key and that door opens. Then he comes in front of, they come in front of an iron gate. And they wonder whether this gate will open. And they put that key of promise, as it says in the book. And that gate opens for them and they're free out of that castle. The promise of God. What he speaks in his word helps us to come out of that situation we face. Last time I shared to you about David, imagine his life where it says David encouraged himself in the Lord because he held on to the promise of God. You know, there are times when I do, when I feel down, when I feel discouraged. You know what I do? I just start saying to myself, I quote the scripture. That's why people of God, you know, memorizing scripture is so important. You know, just saying the word of God, saying the, uh, you know, promises of God, and also praying the promises of God. The word of God is important. So I, when I'm down, I just say to God, you know, I say to myself, the word of God says that I am the child of God. The word of God says I am engraved in the palm of his hand. The word of God says about me that I am the apple of his eye. The word of God says to me that he will never leave me nor forsake me. The word of God says that he is always going to be with me. The word of God says he will deliver me from all my troubles. You know, I say, Lord, this is what your word says and I believe in your word. I trust in your word and I know you're going to do it. I know you're going to deliver me. I know you're going to bless me. I know you're going to provide me. And wow, you know, I just come out of that lowliness and depression and downheartedness and I feel encouraged, I feel blessed, I feel filled with the Holy Spirit with that assurance with that assurance and I said to you earlier when you have the lack of assurance it will take you down to the valley of despair and that's why you need to have assurance in you that God cares about you. When you face certain situations in life, when you are low in your mood or, you know, you feel downhearted, the enemy would like to tell you all the lies that he can, that you're not worthy, you're not fit enough, you're not good enough. But think about what God is saying about you. 
my God loves me. My God cares about me. And I know the God that I serve and the God that I love is the same God who loves you and cares about you. Amen? So it is quoting the Scriptures, relying on the promise of God, and of course, praying helps. And I would encourage not just pray by yourself, but ask someone to pray with you and help you in praying with you. And the third thing you can do is worship God. Worship God. You know, you don't have to be a good singer. You can be a bathroom singer, you know. But worship God. Wherever you are, just sing unto the Lord. You know, when Paul said about in Ephesians about singing in spirit, singing a new song, he was not talking about the best singers. We got good singers here. But he was not talking about the best singers. He was talking about everyone. Worship God. Listen to the worship music. And that's why it's so important when you come to church, being part of that worship, it helps. And then, to be part of fellowship, don't be on isolation, suffering on your own. That's why Paul, our book of Hebrews says, do not leave the habit of meeting together. You know, it helps. It's like when you take a lot of coals and put it together, it keeps burning. But you take a tongue of coal away from it, soon that coal will die. You know, I saw this video once in a jungle where there's a herd of zebras grazing. And then suddenly a lion appears from far, and he's waiting and watching, waiting and watching. And then one zebra moves away from the herd, from the crowd, and isolates himself from the crowd. And the lion takes that opportunity and runs after it and jumps on it and kills it. That's what happens when you're out of fellowship. That's why it's so important to be in fellowship where you're encouraged, where we encourage one another, bless one another, pray for one another. And that's why I would like to say to you, people of God, we have a great future. You know, just in closing, I would like to share the scripture with you from Ephesians chapter 3. It says, God's purpose in all this was to use the church to display his wisdom in its rich variety to all unseen rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. So God's purpose, what is the church? Church is not the building. Church is you and me. And God's purpose is to display his wisdom in its rich variety. Amen? We all are different. We're not, we are not clones. <laughs> we all are different. We all have different temperaments, different way we think about things. 
but God brings us all together and he displays his wisdom to all the unseen rulers and show to the powers of darkness, here are my people in whom I'm working, whom I'm using for my glory. And then it says, this was his eternal plan which he carried out through Christ Jesus our Lord. Because of Christ and our faith in him, two ways it works. Because of Christ, for what he has done for us 2,000 years back, and because of our faith in him, we can now come boldly and confidently in God's presence. There will be times when you don't feel worthy, you feel God is far away. But that's where your faith operates. That's where you need to believe the finished work of Jesus Christ, what he has done, and have that faith in him. Yes, Lord, I'm not coming to you with my righteousness. I'm not coming to you with what I have done, but I'm coming to you for what Christ has done for me. I'm coming to you by the grace of God. And it says we can boldly and confidently come into God's presence. Then Paul says, so please don't lose heart because of my trials here. I'm suffering for you. And it goes on. Then he says, in verse 16, I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. So God has unlimited resources, unlimited power. There is no limit to it. And that's available for you and for me. And he says, through that unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. The Holy Spirit is working in your life and his spirit will empower you when you feel down, disheartened, discouraged. He will lift you up. Then it says, then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Christ will make home in your hearts. You know, do you, do you realize when God's presence comes and what, when God manifests his presence, what happens? The Bible says in his presence there is fullness of joy. And Nehemiah said, the joy of the Lord is my strength. Amen? So when he fills you with his joy, that joy becomes your strength. You can go on. You can carry on in your life. You can face the challenges of your life. And it says, then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him, your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. Your roots will grow down into God's love and will keep you strong. The Bible says nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. That's what it means. That the roots will go down so much 
in God's love that nothing will shake you. You will be like that house planted on the rock, not on the sand. When the storm comes, the wind comes, it will not blow away, but it will, you will remain strong. And then he says, and may you have the power to understand as all God's people should. Sometimes we don't understand. And Paul says, you should be in that place where you should understand how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully, then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. What a wonderful God we have. You know, I don't know this morning, maybe you're suffering silently with the issue of depression where you're feeling down, discouraged. God has given us resources. God has empowered us through his Holy Spirit. And he's here this morning to touch you, to fill you, and to remove you out of it. Like all these men of God that I mentioned earlier, though they, had, they were people of faith, did great signs, wonders, God used them powerfully, but they had their own issues, and that was a fact. But they still held on to God and His promises. You know, the days that are coming, the days that we are going to face, we already have seen some glimpse of it with the pandemic and things that happen. Personally, I may be wrong, personally, I don't think all problems are over. I see in the coming days, as we are heading closer and closer to the coming of Christ, things will escalate. You know, things will happen. But the question is, all those things that you will face in the future, how strong you are in the Lord? How rooted are you in God's love? How rooted are you in His Word? Are you building your house on the rock or are you building your house on the sand? So like these people, though they faced all the storms in their life and winds in their life, they were still rooted on the rock that is our Jesus Christ. So can I ask the worship team to come up? As they come up, 2 Corinthians 10, 3 to 5 says, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not walk according to the flesh. In other version says, though we are human, we should not behave like human. Then it says, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty in God, for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, 
and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Who is on the throne? Is it your soul, your body, or your spirit that is connected to God? Bring every thoughts captive to the obedience of Christ. There may be times when suddenly certain thoughts will come where it will bring you to a place of despair. And that's the time you need to take control and say, I bring those thoughts captive. All those negative thoughts captive to the obedience of Christ in Jesus. And actually, I have experienced that when I do that, it really helps. You know, as you keep doing it, keep doing it, you will see the victory you will have over your thoughts. Amen. God has wonderful plans for you. If anyone needs any prayer, you know, that you'd like God to fill you with His Spirit and touch you, feel free to come in front even as we worship God.